Uh, I want to give you a quick update before we get started. Pastor Gary talked about this just uh, briefly a minute ago. Uh, the first week of February, I shared with uh, you a message called the Vision 2020, just kind of unpacking some of the things that we're feeling call, God is calling us to do in this season, gave some updates uh, with our expansion project. So uh, if you weren't here that weekend, please hop on our website and make sure that you listen to that. It's really important so that we're on the same page. We know where we're headed together. And I talked a little bit about our desire to, um, as we're heading towards firm, uh, uh, permanent financing on our facility once the construction is done, that my, my prayer, and we've been praying together with our leadership team, that we would be able to see uh, $2.5 million come in so that we would be able to finance less. That's just good stewardship. And so Gary talked about that just a little bit, but I wanted to tell you that since that first week in February, uh, we've had $67,295 in new pledges made. And on top of that, we've been able to receive $64,811 moving towards that uh, goal. We need to raise $800,000 more to get there. And I'm so thankful for your support and the generosity of our church. That's the way that we have always done things around here. And I'm grateful. We want to be good stewards, and that is important. So thank you for being part of that. There's a card that looks like this one in the chair back in front of you. And if you haven't had opportunity or if you're feeling like the Lord is leading you to jump in and being part of this in addition to what you've already done, will you just grab this card, take it home, pray about it. And I know uh, that Lord, our Lord is faithful. He is able. Together we can. And please hear me. Our greatest days are yet ahead of us. And uh, God is at work in a big way. And if you'd pray with me for some good weather so we can make some next steps out there, that would be awesome. We need to get the plumbing in and the, and the uh, concrete pad poured so we can start going up with the steel. So if you could pray about that, that would be great. So welcome to week three of our relationship series during this month of February. It's been incredible so far. We've been walking through this powerful passage that many are familiar with, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles or your uh, smart devices and you'd like to swipe there, I'd love for you to follow along with us. We're going to get there in just a minute. The heart behind this series relates to the challenges that we have in our relationships, and what we know is that because we've been created in the image of God, we have a desire to be in relationships where we know and experience uh, the kind of love that he has created for us to experience. And yet, even though that's in our DNA, it's so elusive. We talk often at Plum Creek about one of our values is that we're created to be able to have connection and to love and to be loved. And, and so that's what we're talking about during this series and especially because of this particular passage. So I want to take you back a long time ago. Uh, Beth and I were in college. You know, she and I weren't dating yet. That's my wife, by the way, if you didn't know that. And um, <clears throat> Beth had just come out of a relationship that had ended, and it was an emotional time, and she's told our children and some of her friends this story that in, in the kind of the heat of all of the things that were taking place, she found herself back in her dorm room, and she said, I remember specifically praying God, will you please provide for me and help me to have opportunity to experience true love? And it's likely that that prayer has been prayed by probably everybody in this room in one way or another. And I'm glad that relationship didn't work out that she was in before because now I get a half Beth and it's awesome. But with that came a sense of responsibility. I'm the one now that is responsible to help her experience and know true love. And that's a big job. Would you guys admit that too? That's a big job. This is not easy to do. No pressure, Doug. And so her prayer and our prayer to experience this kind of reminds me of a song that was popular about the same time. And if you don't know this one, you're not old enough. 
And so it was a good song. Listen, listen to the words of this song. You might remember. Right? Some of you remember. Raise your hand if you remember this song. Yeah, good. You could probably start singing right now like you were in the shower, and it would be awesome. Let me share with you a little bit about that song because it does resonate with us. Foreigner guitarist Mick Jones said that this song came to him at 3 in the morning, somewhere in 1984. He said he didn't know where it came from, but he considered that it was a gift that was sent through him. He said, I think there was something bigger than me behind it. I'd say it was probably written by an entirely higher force. When you listen to what he's communicating, this is something that's in all of us. Man, we want to know and experience uh, real love, we want true love. What does that look like? And when he was writing this song, he had some of the words done, and he had a dear friend of his that was a producer that was producing gospel choir music, and he was sending him some of the music that these gospel choirs were singing. And in one of those moments where he was listening to this music, it, it kind of just touched him deeply, and he began to finish the composition of this song. And so when they went to the recording studio to lay this track down, he actually invited 30 members of this gospel choir to come and be with him in the recording studio because it came out of some of the music that they were singing. And so they, they were working to try and get this and it wasn't, it wasn't kind of hitting the way that they wanted. And so one of the members of the choir said, hey, let's, let's all circle around the piano. They circled around the piano and literally prayed the Lord's prayer. And then he laid down this song. It's amazing when you think about it. He said this, after they prayed, it seemed to inspire them because after they did it, that they did it in one take. And he said this, I was in tears. Amazing when you think about the depth of what he was communicating in this song that was just popular and part of pop culture. It's still a song we know. And when we sing it, there's something, or when we hear it sung, there's something in us that just kind of, it just resonates because this is what we want. This is what God created us to know. I want to know what love is. I want to experience a relationship that includes true love. I want true love. I want to give it and I want to receive it. And then here's the question we have to ask you. What is it? What is it? And that's why we're doing this series, Aim and Arrow, because I think sometimes the ideal that we have in our head is something that really has generated from and is, has its foundation in pop, pop culture rather than in true, authentic understanding of what true love looks like. And so we've been unpacking this together. The other question we have to ask ourselves is this, why then does it seem so elusive? Why does it seem something that so many of us... Uh, would see as very rare, it's not easy. And so you need to hear me say this, and we've been talking about this throughout this series. You can't do this kind of love on your own. Hear me, it's impossible. You can try, but it will fall short. And why is that the truth? Because this kind of love is something that sets Jesus' followers apart from the rest of the world and here's also what's interesting. It's supposed to be an indication of God at work in our lives because true love comes from a deep connection to the love that God has given us. Listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Verse 9, God showed how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11, 
Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love, look at this, his love is brought to full expression in us. The only way it happens is when you and I are connected to this authentic reality of God's love. And then Jesus said this in John chapter 13. Look at verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, look at this, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And if you're like me, there's probably times in your life and in your spiritual journey where you want to know, how am I doing with this thing? How am I doing in my relationship and my walk with Jesus? And how has God's love for me changed me? Scriptures clearly communicate to you and me here that if you want to know whether God's love has changed you, you want to know how you're doing, one of the ways you can know how you're doing in your relationship with a God, this is a, this is a thermometer that you can put in your mouth. Take a look at the way you're loving the people in your life. Because the way that we are loving each other is an expression, comes from has as its foundation the love that God has given us. You see, it changes us. Now, he didn't stop just by giving us, love, us his love. He also placed it in us, and his spirit at work in you and I produces a completely different kind of love. How do we know that? Paul said the fruit of the spirit is love. That's the first one. So not only did he love us, but it's God at work in us and it's God's power at work through you that enables you and I to love with a kind of love that is a next level kind of love. See, this is what we talk about, changed lives, right? We're changed, we're different because of this. The more you know his love, the more then you become capable of loving with a true love the people that are in your life. And I would say that we're never more like the Lord than when we love the right way when we love his way. And so as a church, what we've been walking through is this powerful passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's likely you've heard it before. I would guess that some of you might have a plaque at your house with this verses, these verses on it. It might even be that this is a passage of scripture that, that you had uh, spoken during your wedding ceremony because it's become a very popular passage of scripture that kind of like just touches us in many ways. But what has been happening over the course of this series as we've been taking a look so far, we've only looked at one verse from 1 Corinthians 13 over the last two weeks. Pastor Chad and Pastor Tommy have just, man, they've laid this out for us and it's very challenging. It's very convicting. And I want you today to think about this. This is not a checklist that you need to somehow muster up the strength to be able to become better at. Listen, you can't do this on your own. It won't work. And so when we read these verses, we're challenged by them. And so far, what we've looked at is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. We pick up this passage. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and they've got lots of things that they need to get worked out. But Paul goes to the heart of the matter in this particular chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. And what we've looked at so far, understanding and learning more about the attributes of this true love is this. This true love is patient. It is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Now, just in repeating those things again today, we could be like, all right, let's go home. Let's keep going. 
Let's keep working on it, right? But again, this doesn't happen unless you're connected to God's love in your life. And when we hear these things, we think to ourselves, yes, Paul, that's the way I want people to love me, right? Isn't that what you think? That's what you think. You're like, this is what I want. You've just helped articulate what's inside of me. I want to be loved this way. And the reason you do is because you've been created in the image of God. But don't forget that this comes with a responsibility. You see, you and I are also to love those that are in our lives this way as well. And so the people that are in your lives, if you're married, your spouses, and if you have children, your children, and, and your families, and your friends, and your coworkers, everybody wants to be loved with this kind of authentic love. So on May 2nd, 1992, I stood in front of a room full of people, in front of my mentor, Rick Dunn, my family, my friends, and my God, and I responded to a question that Pastor Rick asked me, and you guys know Rick, he's been here, he's actually gonna be here in a couple weeks. And he said this, he said, Doug, will you take Beth to be your wife, to live together in holy marriage? And then he said this, will you love her? And he continued with a few other things. And do you know what I said? I said I will. Can I tell you something today that I know without a shadow of a doubt? I had no idea what I was getting into. No idea. I had some thoughts, but I had no idea. And you know what? It's likely if you're here today and you've stood in front of a room and you've walked through a wedding ceremony and you committed to doing this, you had no idea either. And here's what's crazy, guys. Check this out. We took our hand with a pen in it and we put our signature on a document that communicated as well that I will do this. Before my friends and family, before Beth, who is my wife, and before my God that I love, I committed to loving this way, and I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. And so here we stand today trying to figure this out. We've opted in. We've said, yes, this means we've made this commitment. And here's what you need to hear me say today. I don't have this all figured out. Beth will be here in the next service. She will tell you that there are many times that I don't do this right. And I've told you before, there's something very different about me. And there's something very different about you when we say connected to the love that our God has for us. I'm a different man. I'm a different husband. I'm a different daddy. I'm a different pastor. I'm a different friend when I stay connected to the heart of God. And you see, this is the only way that this can happen if we stay connected in this way. So here's my main thought. To love God's way, I need to know God's love. We need to stay connected to him. We need to know his love. And this is what Pastor Chad and Pastor Tommy have been talking about so far in this series. God's love, this agape love. It's unconditional and it's extravagant and, and it took action. It wasn't just words. It took action when he sent his son and, it, and it's free and it's full of grace and it's undeserved and it's full of forgiveness and it's full of his selflessness when he came to bring this love to you and me. And so Paul, in this verse that we just read, talks about this crazy love that's patient and kind and not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And we're like, whew, Paul, that's a lot. Oh, but he's not done yet. And so today we're going to take a look at verse 5. He continues, and it gets really challenging. 
And he says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. And before I read it, can I tell you this? It's likely what you're going to want to do today is this when you hear this. Pay attention. That's the way I want to be loved, right? Here's the deal. Don't do that, okay? This is not about them today. It's about you. And it's about your connection to God that out of that becomes an overflow of a completely different kind of love. And it's likely that it's going to feel challenging, Remember today, you can't do this on your own. You can't do this on your own. So Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, and he says this. This kind of love that we're talking about today does not demand its own way. We read this and we say, yes, Paul, you tell him. Tell him to love me this way. That's the way I want to be treated. And then we realize that we're on the hook here as well. That we have a responsibility to love if you're married, your spouse, and if you have children, your families, your friends. And remember, to love God's way, I need to know God's love. And remember what Jesus said. This is an indicator of your connection to him and to his love in your life. John 13, 35, for your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple. So what does it mean to love this way, to not demand its own way? Here's what it means. It means that I put you before me. I put you before me. Now that's not easy to do. This love does not demand its own way. And why is this so hard to do? It's because I love and care about myself the most. Left to my own druthers, I'm a selfish person. I want life to be about me. I want relationships to be, I want what I want when I want it. We have a tendency to be selfish people. At the core, that's who we are. And I bet the farm, it's the same for your, you in your life as well. It's hard to exemplify this kind of love that puts others first. We are in desperate need together, guys, of God's help to make this happen. We won't do this naturally on our own. Paul said this to the church at Philippi in Philippians 2. Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Rather, be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You see, God's kind of love, it doesn't insist its own way. It never seeks its own advantage. It's not selfish. It never demands its rights. It's not preoccupied with the interests of self. So here's what I wonder today. If you had a chance to come into my house and ask those that were closest to me, is that what they would say my love reflects? Yeah. How about, thank you for your confidence there. <laughs> How about if I came to your house and asked the people that you are closest to, does your love reflect this kind of God's love to them? Listen, to love God's way, I'm gonna need to know God's love. I need to understand it better I need it to be the life source that causes me to think differently about the relationships around me. Let's keep going. Look at verse five again. It does not demand its own way. And then it says this. It is not irritable. Somebody just go, ah! Right? It's not easily provoked. It doesn't have a quick temper or a short fuse. There's no violent reaction, no fits of rage. Have you ever wondered why it is that our fuse is the shortest with the people that we're supposed to love the most. That we take the most liberties with the people that we are supposed to be the closest with in our lives. Have you ever wondered about that? 
Can we just be honest today? That's kind of jacked up. Like, isn't it that you should be like ugly to someone you don't know? Rather than your spouse or your child or your closest friends or family. But for whatever reason, we take most liberties with those that we are closest to. Am I the only one that does that? No. No. Listen. He's talking about something that's challenging to us. So instead of these violent reactions and these fits of rage, rage, we we should be willing to endure slights and insults without feeling the need to defend or lash back. It means that we don't take offense easily, that we give others the benefit of the doubt. You see, love is not quick to respond with anger or bitterness because of someone else's behavior or someone else's words. Listen, whether actual or imagined. Because don't we misinterpret often? Because for whatever reason, we're assuming the worst of one another instead of the best. So how do you respond when you feel attacked or dented or wounded? And I know what you're thinking. Doug, just stop it. i got a short fuse. You know, I know how to defend myself, and I rise up fast when my anger is ignited. I can't do this, Doug. Listen, I get it. This is a hard one. Because we're all hardwired to defend ourselves when someone attacks us. That's what we do. We need the Lord's help, and truth be told, without his help, we're not going to figure this out. But we need to be reminded today that Jesus did this well. You see, he showed us how to do this. As a matter of fact, the closer you get to understanding who he is, seeing what he endured and how he responded, this is what you'll know. Dude's got chops here. And we can learn some things from him. Peter said it this way, he, speaking of Jesus, did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross <clears throat> so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. He did it. We can do it too with his help. Not on our own, but we can do it with his help. And I know you're thinking, Doug, but what about when I feel attacked? Come on, Doug, what about when I'm mistreated or someone's taking advantage of me? Or for sure, Doug, what about when someone cuts me off in traffic and I forget that I have a P-Squig sticker on my car, right? (laughs) Or worse yet, how about this? When someone says something utterly stupid on Facebook, something just rises up inside of me and I'm gonna do everything I can to fix it, right? Is that the way the Lord would have us do this? Listen, to love God's way, I need to know God's love. And he tells us that this love is not irritable. And so what we need to be reminded of is this today. Please hear this. When everyone continues to fight for their own rights in their relationships, when everyone responds in defensive anger, always on the edge of irritabilities with a quick trigger, when everyone grabs and nobody gives, here's what you need to hear me say today. Everybody loses. In your attempt to win, you lose. That's what we learn. And that's what we see. Again, does this come natural? No. No. But the closer we get to Jesus, the more we understand his love, then we're going to do these things differently. Don't you wish Paul was done? We could just go home right now. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. There's one more. 
Look at verse five again. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And look at this one. It keeps no record of being wronged. What? Because this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Don't you think that you should actually have this on display in the kitchen or better yet on the front of the house, right? And we all just have quick access to the scoreboard. And we're like, click, 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 click. And your spouse is like, click, 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 click. And then your kids throw a few more in. Click, click, click. And when we do this, see what happens. Look what happens. See, this is a great metaphor. There will always be a home and an away when we live that way. It will always be that way. And I know what you're thinking right now, Doug, but stop it. This is not, I am a masterful all-star scorekeeper, right? Because we become so proficient at this. And we think that somehow this is how we're going to bring justice to our relationships. And what we're talking about here is a love that doesn't brood over injury, that doesn't store up grievances, that doesn't count up the wrongs, that doesn't keep score with a mental checklist of how I have been treated or mistreated, that doesn't hold grudges. You can't keep score. And again, learn that we need to follow God's amazing example here. The, the psalmist put it this way in Psalm 103. You think about the scoreboard that could be in front of your house because of the way we treat each other and talk to each other. Remember, the psalmist is describing God's incredible love towards us and this action that he's taken towards us. In Psalm 103, verse 12, he says, he, speaking of God, has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Everybody look this way. That's long ways west. Now turn around and look this way. That's as far as that is. And when you really understand that, and when it begins to touch you, when it begins to change you, when you begin to understand how thorough God's love is, how awesome his forgiveness is, and how, how he changes us with his grace and his mercy, we're like, that's awesome. Thank you, Lord, that I get to experience this kind of authentic love that just doesn't keep score to me. And then the next thing we do is keep score. That is so messed up. But you see, the closer that we get to his love, the more that we understand what he's done for us. See, we stop keeping score because he stopped keeping score. And we realize that when we keep score, listen, please, this is for someone today, you lose when you keep score. God's not keeping score, and thank God he isn't, so we shouldn't either. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, look at this, instead, what a novel idea, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What does that mean? Listen, stop holding grudges. Stop keeping score. Stop bringing up the past. Stop reminding each other of your wrong failures. No register of wrongs, no list, no scoreboard. Forgive as God has forgiven you. How do we do that? To love God's way. I need to know God's love. I need to really know, not just I can tell you in theory about God. You need to be changed by God's love. You need God's love to touch you at the core of who you are. So 
We look at what Paul is saying. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. And we ask ourselves this question, how am I doing? And again, what we want to do is put the list up on the fridge and start checking boxes. But that's not the way this works. You'll never be able to do this without his help. Without a deep connection to his love for you, you can't do this, I can't do this. And maybe you should ask those closest to you. Here's what I would say. I don't think you need to. Because I think right now, in this room, you know. You know. And scriptures tell us that this is a litmus test to your connection to God's love that we will know, the world around us will know that we are his disciples by the way we love. How are we doing? This is not easy. I wonder today if this passage of scripture stepped on any toes. Just do this. did mine too it's a challenge and you know all those years ago Beth prayed that prayer I want to know true love and it's so much more than just a great song that foreigner wrote listen we all want to know true love I want to be the one that loves Beth that way. I want to love my kids that way. I don't always get this one right, but I want to. And the only way that that happens is that from a place of authentic relationship with our incredible God, he changes this guy from the inside out. And the only way that that will happen for you is that you stay connected and you learn and grow and experience his love in a real way so that it becomes your source of strength and the foundation that you build your relationships on. And you make a commitment to saying, God, with your help, I want to do this your way. And the more we know him, the more we know that love, It changes us. Relationships look different. And you know what happens? With his help, prayers get answered. I know you want to do this right. And I know for sure you want to experience this. So the only way is that we make a decision today. Knowing Doug's different when he's connected to Jesus different and you are different when you stay connected to Jesus too let me bow your heads for just a moment you see the only example that we need to really understand this kind of love is to to see what Jesus did and he went to the cross and it's likely that there might be some people that are here today that as you've heard this it's stirred inside of you because you know stamped in the DNA of who you are as a human is a desire to experience this and you've tried 
you've tried to do this and to know this on your own, and you've tried to do this exclusive of a relationship with the Lord. And I've been praying for this moment, knowing that in this moment you have an opportunity, and I'm praying that you will listen to the voice of God today as he draws you to a relationship with him. And it's likely that there's some other people that are here today that have run from a relationship with God and haven't prioritized it properly. And so you're trying to love this way and experience love this way, and it's not happening because you're not connected. You see, we're different when we're connected. So there's really two responses today. The first one is, if you don't have a walk with Jesus, you need one. And the second thing is, it doesn't matter how far you've run or how you have deprioritized this, if you want this for real, you need to make a commitment today to get close to Jesus. You need to spend time with him. You need to know his word. You need to understand his love and ask that his love would make you come alive from the inside out. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to accept Christ as your savior, I wanna give you a chance to do that today. This is just the beginning. There's a road in front of us of learning to submit our lives to him and to live for him. But this is how it begins. And if that's you and you're feeling drawn to that today, you're tired of trying to do this on your own, just pray this prayer, God, I know I need you. Forgive me for trying to figure this out on my own. And I realize today that what's inside of me is drawing me and is pulling me to a relationship with you. I know that I've fallen short of your perfect standard. And I thank you that you put your love on display by going to the cross. So today I ask you to forgive me. And I pray that that power that rose Christ from the dead would now be at work in me And that one of the ways that I would see that looking different as I pursue you and pursue an understanding of this love and relationship with you, that then out of that would become the life source that changes my relationships around me and changes the way I love. Perhaps you're here today and you haven't made God the priority that he should be in your life. Maybe today you need to rededicate your relationship with him and reprioritize the importance of staying connected to him. I promise you it'll change you. And if that's you, you just communicate to God today that you need help to reprioritize. You're going to carve out space to spend time with him, to stay connected to him, to surround yourself in relationships with other people that are in pursuit of that too, that it would change you as well from the inside out. And God, I pray you'll do that for me too. We all need help here because we can't do it on our own. Forgive me, Lord, for when I try. Help me to stay connected to your love and be so moved by it that it changes me and changes the relationships around me. In your name I pray, amen.